0: Welcome back to another episode of the Cardboard Herald, my chance to talk with creative gamers and game creators. And today I am joined by Jennifer Graham Mack of Keymaster Games. Welcome to the show, Jennifer. Thank
1: you very much. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, well, you are having quite the start to 2020. I mean, you have what Parks Nightfall, you have parks memories, you have running iron, you have firebreak. Like you have a lot of projects going on at Keymaster. You guys are popping off. What's going on over there?
1: Uh, Well, we're staying busy. We have uh, a ton of creative uh, ideas bouncing around our, uh, our uh, team um, and a lot of cool people that we're working with from outside our team, like Henry Audubon, uh, Char- who's the designer for Running Iron, Charlie Hoops, who's the designer for Firebreak, and uh, we're just, you know, we're really excited to keep working with those projects and, and get them out to the public.
0: Well, I'm going to dive into them because I know people are really excited about it, especially because when this video goes live, people will have just heard about Park's memories. But I want to get kind of like a baseline for you and Keymaster for those not acquainted with you. So when did you... First, get into games, and when did that lead you on your your trail, so to speak? If we're talking about parks uh, over to Keymaster Games,
1: yeah. Uh, so um, I, like a, a lot of people um, in in this uh, hobby, got my start very young. I was I was trained uh, in the ways of risk at a really young age, and I can uh, attribute that to some family members who are who didn't pull any punches. We'll say that. <laughs> Uh,
0: good for uh, them
1: between that and you know playing Scrabble with a bunch of adults as a kid there's just you know you learn the hard way I guess Um, but it it toughened me up and gave me some resilience Uh, and then I have to say that like uh, there was a period where uh, kind of in my teen years where it's sort of kind of scattered experience but then um, I started uh, dating the uh, lady who is now my wife um, and one of the dates we went on was to Barnes & Noble uh, where we, we used to love to go in the kids' section. We like to go read picture books. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we ended up in the game section, uh, and I studied art history in college. So we ended up in the game section, and I saw Fresco on the shelf. And I had never seen, um, this is just that, that sort of experience that I think hobby gamers have, where they realize that there's games about things that they also think are cool, and it, <laughs> they're like, hey, this, this other thing that I like is now in this board game, so I'll try it out. And I was like, well, I, I, we have to find out more about that. Um, and we bought it and took it home and spent all night learning how to play. Uh, and I don't know if, you know, like some of your listeners might not be super familiar with Fresco. Fresco is not the most difficult game in the world to learn how to
0: play. Yeah. But I mean, everyone has that experience, right? Where you get your first hobby game and you're like, oh my God, this is the biggest. I remember the first time I played Small World and I thought that was... Like, the most complicated board game that I I had ever even dreamed of, like, that was Bananas, and now I'm like, small world, that light thing...
1: Yeah, um, I- exactly. It's same, totally the same. It's just super overwhelming. We stayed up most of the night learning how to play. it. just completely enamored with it. Uh, and I remember the next morning, we woke up and immediately started playing it again. And I remember that was a really big deal because it was the World Cup. Uh, and uh, France was in the semi semifinals playing against Italy, which was a huge, hugely competitive match. And I didn't want to really watch the match. I really just wanted to do Fresco. Uh, so... Um, I was basically hooked from there. Um, uh, you know, like I, I couldn't get enough of board games. And just like everybody else's story, you know, there was there was no uh, amount of time that was too short to think about or, or find out more about uh, board games. And I, I was basically hooked. From that point
0: on i can honestly say that you're the first person who has said that their gateway was fresco so that, <laughs> that, that's a, a a unique thing just to you that you can hold on to that is super cool but how did this lead to actually working in the industry i mean you said you studied art history in college yeah. so what what kind of bonkers trajectory is that
1: um yeah uh, a really uh <laughs> i guess a really strange <laughs> Uh so I I yeah, I studied art history. Um I ended up um so I was working for an artist as a, a as a uh an apprentice, uh an artist apprentice and a, a frame he's also a framer, so uh custom framing. So if you need any custom framing done, I know a little bit
0: about that too. But will it work if I'm in Alaska and I have to send it down to you?
1: Look, it really is just about the amount of money that you want to pay. (laughs) That's what you're willing to pop up. Um, So I went from uh, the art history thing. I ended up starting to work for uh, Apple after that. Um, And I met uh, my downstairs neighbor. uh, His name was Colin Burke, uh, and we uh, Kind of, He got me super passionate about comics, which was something I had never been into before, and we came up with this scheme. We started going to comic shops weekly uh, together and came up with this scheme to open a game store, um, and uh, we just kind of took a leap of faith, and I ended up opening a, a game shop that I had for uh, just about four years before selling, and um, And, uh, I, I, you know, it was just one of those going kind of where your heart leads you and where passion dictates that you have to travel, um, those paths left less taken. I know it sounds a little cheesy and corny, but, um, that's how it got started. And while I was in, you know, while I had the shop, the shop offered me opportunities to travel to conventions, to meet with content creators, uh, publishers, um, uh, hobby gamers really right above and beyond the people making the games the people who love playing them um it's incredible to be a shop owner and, and get to not only share that passion with some with all those people but sometimes instill it like it's a really magical experience so um the shop uh, but uh, i had been kind of pulled away from my family for a little while um just like any business and I applaud everybody who is in business for themselves, you know, that it is no easy task, um, but decided to sell to spend a little more time with my family. Uh, and, uh, when I, uh, so I sold the shop and did some, some consulting and ended up, uh, kind of connecting with Keymaster, who I had fallen in love with, uh, while I owned the shop had, had loved selling their products in my store. And, uh, we just aligned actually because of the art piece. Um, because I was, you know, I saw Keymaster as a company that was doing something that uh, no other company was, is, I, and I stand by, and no, I don't think any other company is really doing it quite what uh, Keymaster is doing when it comes to art. And I, I don't say that to put anybody else down. I, there are plenty of companies out there whose art and product design I love. Um, but uh, Keymaster is truly special in the, in the passion that they're bringing to the table and the talent that they're bringing to the table with their product design.
0: So did you just like show up at the door and you're like, yo, hire me because <laughs> we are going to figure this stuff out.
1: I mean, um, so I came on uh, in in August of 2018. Uh, and at that point, the Keymaster had plenty of successful Kickstarters under their belt. Um, and, uh, I really, I pitched myself, uh, at, I, you know, you, we joke about it, but I kind of did show up at their door and say, <laughs> hi me. um, I said, you know, I, I was like, I, I love what you're doing. Um, and I will, I would take anything. I, you know, like a total ease, like I'll scrub the toilets if I have to, uh, to be a part of this team, be a part of what you're doing, because I see what you're doing and it's amazing. And I, if that is something you need to help, uh, then I'm here for it. Um, you know,
0: I, I got to make a quick aside here because the, there's, there's too much filtering in that just has connectivity to me here. The scrubbing toilets, the comic shop, the game shop. So when I was 16, I was hired to work at Bosco's Cards and Comics in. Yes. Eagle River, Alaska, which is like an institution here in Alaska. Well, the Anchorage branch, the Eagle River branch closed down. Anyway, I had been lurking at the shop, you know, a, a typical loiterer since I was like six years old. And then I got old enough. They're like, sure, of course, you can have a job. And then first day, they're like, yo you need to clean that bathroom (laughs) spick and span because you need to learn that working at the shop is not just sitting around and reading comic books all day. And it's the kind of dedication that you have to something that you love, that even if it means cleaning the bathrooms, that you get to be part of a crew that you really care about, immersed in a culture that you really care about, that even that sounds really gratifying and um you know i i I can really i can really dig that anyway i totally interrupted your story there
1: that's that no no no, and that's the that's exactly the vibe that um that keymaster presents that the the team presents so it's a team of four people including myself you've got kyle key the founder Matic schuler uh who's creative director um and uh uh, matt aiken who's uh the operations guy all three of them are co-owners um and they have a, a really great friendship uh, that they bring to the table, um, but also a passion and drive um, that's infectious. Um, it makes me wanna work harder all the time, um, but, but they're also just really great people and that sort of uh, cohesiveness and that, that sort of jointness uh, in the team, I think is super important for, for any kind of small uh, company to have to work hard um, at the level we're kind of growing to um, without just completely expanding the team, you know, drastically or being able to do that quite yet, um, but also keeping it fun and remembering that we're here to, you know, make things that make people smile.
0: For sure. And let let's talk about those things that make people smile. I mean, one thing is, of course, going to be those upcoming games that we mentioned right at the top of the interview, uh, but mm-hmm. Parks itself. So that way we kind of understand its relationship to the upcoming expansion and this spin off mm-hmm. game in the same Parks universe. I mean, that, that's yeah. a weird thing to say because I know that's it's like our a cavity, universe. But not. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but describe what the project was that resulted in Parks.
1: Yeah. So, uh, the beginning of 2018, um, uh, the 59 Parks actually reached out uh, to say, Uh, Hey, we we, they I think they had played uh, campy creatures Mm -hmm. um, And like they they loved the aesthetic they saw the design um, the graphic design the illustration work uh, that was there um, And the presentation that was there and they were like hey, we have this this series and we'd love to consider working with you Uh, and coincidentally uh, uh, Kyle and Maddox and Matt to a certain extent at that point were were all like uh, I mean Yeah, we love we love um, uh, your, your work, uh, 59 Parks, up to that point, I think they're sort of like similarly aged, if I'm remembering correctly, to Keymaster. Um, I've been touring with these amazing... Uh, illustrations, uh, this amazing print series that's co- commissioned from artists, amazing, amazingly talented artists from uh, all over the world, and that's just a completely separate conversation about like how the cohesiveness of Parks works because of these. It's really because of these artists and because of the art direction of uh, J.P. Bonyard, who's a member, of, uh, who's the founder of the Fifty Nine Parks print series. So um, there was just sort of this instant friendship or connection because of those two things, and at the time. Uh, Keymaster had just wrapped up working with, uh, or just started, was in uh, Kickstarter for Space Park with Henry Audubon, and we asked, uh, or they asked, him to come on uh, and do some development and design work, kind of commissioning him to design a game uh, or an idea for for this to see, if, you know, if we can make a go of it. Uh, so uh, they did, and it was, you know, like it, it it underwent. We probably worked on it for a year. They were working on it for eight months, and I came on. That August, and I was also part of development afterwards, uh, like from that point until Kickstarter. So there was a good year to year and three months of uh, design and development on the on the project, and uh, we hit Kickstarter in February, and I think the rest is kind of history.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> it's it is still an ongoing story because it's yeah. like one of those games that I'm on the subreddit for board games and. I see people saying like, oh man, I'm waiting for them to restock parks or like, oh geez, has anyone seen parks? Or hey, packs Unplugged, they're going to have parks available there. Like it is something that people are still really excited about and discovering and congratulations on all that success. And that's why we're here really is because yeah. you are now spinning off into other directions. So let, let's start with, the first announced thing, which was the expansion Nightfall. I mean... Of course, we're going to get into what is this thing, but the burning question that everyone has, including myself, is how am I going to fit this into the box with that gorgeous <laughs> insert? What are you doing to us? Yes.
1: Yeah, so, so uh, yes, yeah, so that has been a question that's come up a, a bunch since we announced it. Uh, and yes, the expansion is going to get its own fancy box uh, and uh, it will not fit in that base game uh, base game box because we, we made that super compact uh, and uh, you know, we did that pretty intentionally with that with that box design, and, and I think everybody can expect to see that same intentionality behind the expansion. Uh, and but this isn't, you know, like this is a living product, so success breeds more, right? Uh, and um, I people have asked a lot about if there's going to be a bigger box or or something like that, and that's probably something that'll be visited a little bit further down the road. Um, but for this expansion, where you can definitely expect a high quality. Um, box design and and uh, thoughtfulness
0: so one of the fears that people have with expansions are that it, it might come out feeling like it's just tacked on or or wasn't really cohesive or organic with the original concept of the game and i think that fear may be particularly amplified with parks because of that very cohesion the 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 svelte nature of the game where every piece feels like it's necessary to the whole but never more than what the whole needed in the first place so how do you expand upon that like what what is the 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 pitch uh, the purpose of nightfall
1: that's a totally great question, and it's definitely something that um, we encountered uh, as we were looking to expand. Is is this idea that there's this pretty neatly boat up, you know, tied up package, and, and where do you go from there? Um, and uh, I think we have some pretty fun uh, ideas in the works. The first thing, and the the number one part that's important to Nightfall is that we're finishing the National Parks collection. So those park cards. Um, Are going to have celebrate all of the national parks. Now it's not that artwork hadn't been created yet for all of the national parks, including some of the new parks like Indiana Dunes um, or uh, what is it, White White Dunes? uh, Right, there's two from 2019. Um, They hadn't been made national parks yet, and now they are, and they also have artwork for them. So we're really excited to be bringing that artwork. Um, and filling out that, that National Parks deck. Um, but we're not just filling out that National Parks deck, there's a really, you know, um, we realize that in those, um, those cards there's an opportunity to explore different ways to visit, to, to pay resources to visit these National Parks. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're exploring different um, opportunities when you go to visit there, like how can you engage, re-engage with uh, your engine building or set collecting um, while you're visiting those parks. Uh, the second thing that it does is, uh, it, we are, um, uh, completely, uh, redoing the year, uh, the year cards. Oh. It's something, it's something that, um, we saw a lot of feedback on, uh, and, and we agree with, and we want to be open and listen, uh, to player feedback and, and give people opportunities to say, Hey, this is a, you know, we heard from a lot of people that year cards was a of space that they really wish um, there was more opportunity for success in um, right. and so that's what we're working to to provide with with year-end bon- year bonus cards um, so there'll be a deck that completely re- replaces your existing year uh, year deck um, and those goals will be more open-ended so instead of um, kind of finite the way that they and like two-tiered the way they are now there'll be right. um, there'll be more opportunities to grow um, points or, or have those year-end bonus points kind of rack up or accumulate um, if you're able to to generate those
0: successes. Will there be any different locations that you can stop on through the trail, like the trail tiles themselves, that will, I guess, create a divergent gameplay from game to mm-hmm. game to game? Because right now you do have different mixes that are going to come up and that does add replayability, but inevitably you'll see every trail location in any given game. Um,
1: yeah. So, uh, the trail is something that's a, that's a great question and, and it's something in our development, uh, sessions that, that we've, uh, talked about a lot is is this idea that like there's so many important things and that if you were you know like you have these advanced tiles and if you remove an advanced tile because you just let's say we just compound the advanced tiles so that there's some that might not ever show up in a game well the trail's not as simple as that because the system and the arc of the game is actually really dependent on seeing each of those um, actions mm-hmm. even if they come up in a semi-random order uh, so what we're going to be looking at is uh, uh and uh, this is where i'm a little bit limited because I'm, i want to <laughs> save uh, a little bit uh a little bit for a surprise um is uh what we're, we're calling it the camping mechanic um and it's that that idea of you know staying behind after dark and getting to experience the trail um through this different mechanic uh which uh i think people are really going to enjoy um, uh, without necessarily ruining uh, or or altering that in a in a drastic way, we're really interested in exploring what different trail options look like and and what that possibility looks like. Um, so it's not something that we're we're reinvestigating the trail in a different way. Um, but that idea that you're talking about is something that's total that's definitely come up and, and we're also looking at for the future. Okay.
0: <laughs> Now, will this allow me to do citizen's arrests and then severely punish NPCs who, I don't know, say leave their trash bags at campsites because, oh my god, people are monsters sometimes?
1: They can be, yeah. Um, uh, we <laughs> we still think that uh, <laughs> um, being largely optimistic is the best
0: approach. I think so <laughs> and, too.
1: And trying to, trying to breed good behavior um, more so than than the antagonistic uh, citizens arrest. But <laughs> but we'll definitely keep it. I'm, I'm not closing the door on it yet.
0: Expansion number two. That's right. <laughs> well, let's talk about this other parks game that you have in development because this is brand new information so what is parks memories like how, how did this come to be that you were going to create the parks board game universe
1: Honestly, completely by surprise. As <laughs> our most creative endeavors, they just kind of happen, and you've got to be open to running with it. And again, you know, kudos to a team who's uh, uh, sure sighted enough that they can see a thing they've got to run with when they do. So, uh, Parks Memories is a game designed by Kyle, uh, Kyle Key, uh, who's the Keymaster founder, and uh, it is a strategic matching game. Um, it'll come in three sets, and it's a completely different way to experience uh, the national parks and the beautiful illustrations of the 59 parks print series. Um, we're fortunate that they also, uh, they wanted to continue working with us. Um, we've loved working with them and this is just more stuff that we get to uh, make with them and we're really excited, but it's uh, it's also not, n- not just stuff, it's actually a really fun, thinky, a uh, uh, strategic uh surprisingly strategic game that plays very quickly it's a uh it's a two plus player game um with a variety of play and it is a matching game so so there's uh tiles in the game that are the national park cards these illustrations and each set will have 22 of the parks altogether between the three sets all parks will be represented again um, and the, what happens is there's three stacks and you've, you you, create a board of a three by three grid on the, on the table and they're all face down and you flip them up. Uh, you flip up two at a time trying to, to match, but you're not just matching for, uh, the illustrations. Um, you're trying to match for resources and, uh, matching an illustration actually means you won't match a resource. The reason it's important to match resources is because you have abilities. Players put, uh, activate abilities in front of them, um, so they can ready and then use them and spend them, and those abilities give you ways to tinker with this, this system of re- trying to remember and manipulating the board and also trying to collect, um, uh, three sets of illustrations before your opponent does, or opponents. Um, it, so it's like a, a really fast pace, and it, while it sounds super lightweight, the, uh, the gameplay and the interaction is so surprising like every time i sit down to play it still i'm i'm like my brain i walk away with a little brain (laughs) burn (laughs) um because i i think i've got a new you know a a new strategy that i'm ready to use and and i'm just i am always surprised that it you know like that there's still stuff for me to learn um and something that seems so somewhat straightforward uh, and what's extra nice about it is that it's because it's a matching game. Uh, we want something that's accessible, that's that's lightweight, that comes in at a um, a slightly lower price point for some people. Uh, that's also accessible to like an even younger audience, right? Mm-hmm. So right. there's these abilities that you can play with. But like if you are a family and you've got a little kid, like a like a four or five year old, um, that you're looking to experience, you know, park illustrations on nice tile that you can't rip necessarily that still come with park facts. If you want to teach your four-year-old about park facts, you don't um, know
0: my four-year-old he can <laughs> rip just about anything.
1: I, okay, that's fair. <laughs> we'll take that into consideration with our final, uh, uh, uh prototype, uh, pieces from Panda, but, um, you know, like, uh, it gives you a lighter, uh, a, a lower entry point, um, for those different age, age brackets.
0: You know, I know that, like with any board game small business, uh, Keymaster must have everyone wearing a lot of hats. And even though you're doing media contacts and interviews like this, you must wear a development hat. And mm-hmm. so being involved in the process, witnessing Park's memories come to life, like what has been the, the most challenging hurdle getting up to this point, preparing for launching the Kickstarter? Is it that there was something that was part of the design that was a, a major hurdle that you had to get over, or was it making sure that components could m- meet the right price point? Like, you know, what was an obstacle that people might be surprised about as you were gearing up for this?
1: Um, that's a great question. Uh, I, I think that um, uh, <laughs> there there are a lot of hurdles, um, but the, you're right, there's a lot of support system. Um, systems along the way and it's not just actually inside the team but it's from everybody else right the industry industry people talk to each other um and it's really great to have uh friends to bounce ideas off of um to lend support to be like hey just i know you're in kickstarter prep this is something we just experienced those are really awesome interactions that um i i I love um uh i think one of the things that we always uh always hit um is our own um uh, level or bar for for how we measure success or uh, correctness we want everything to be beautiful and we want everything to be top-notch um, mm-hmm. in how it's presented to um, our, our uh, Kickstarter backers to our customers um, to hobby the hobby community to this national park community which is you know now we're we're super excited to be able to have a product that helps bring some of those people kind of into the fold right um, and sometimes uh, we can we struggle to want to have things be so perfect that uh, we have to kind of move the move the needle mm, a little bit yeah. and push push ideas forward. Um, so that's always. Uh, uh, that that can sometimes be a challenge, but it's a great challenge because it always um, brings us in to to help us even even further solidify where that standard is, where that bar of excellence is, right. um, at, you know, where the where the minimum is, which happens to be kind of very high. That threshold is actually really really high. Um, so it's like a it's like a challenge, but it's it's sort of healthy for us. Sometimes it gets in our way and and makes for for long days, but it's also what what helps us stand out too so um it ends up being you know like that's what people love us for
0: well i want to make sure that we're at least touching on a couple of the other projects that are coming up i know that that time is short and we we have definitely things to focus on here but uh first off you have running iron which is another henry audubon game that is a cooperative western game that's coming out i i'm going to have up very soon maybe before the release of this interview maybe shortly after a first look that we did at PAX Unplugged and it's a a very compelling game that I think actually at first glance it may not uh, seem like it has a a, uh, a shared lineage like thought process lineage with uh, with parks but once I got playing it I was like okay I'm picking up on what Henry Audubon is here and that there are certain (laughs) certain echoes of how one may arrive at this being the same designer as parks but. What is, like, the coolest thing about this game, the thing that you are most excited about that you want people to be aware of as you approach for it, and when is this thing going to be available to people? Is it Kickstarter? Is it going to go direct to retail? Tell us about it.
1: So, personally, uh, the thing I'm I'm uh, really, really excited to be able to share more of is uh, the artwork. I, I love uh, the art in... Uh, Running Iron. It's actually from a female artist. It's our first female artist that we're working for. Yes, working with. Yes, we've worked with. uh, There's commissioned artists who are like commissioned female artists. from the 59 Parks Print Series for Parks, but it's also um, that's uh, it's a little bit different. This is somebody that we we were reached out to specifically, um, and she did a great job of of bringing fun characters to life. Um, and I can't wait to share more of that. Um, and I think it's just a totally different experience. Like it's it's something that's gonna kind of, I, I I think people are gonna uh, enjoy that it it's gonna feel um, aesthetically and quality wise. Um, like a Keymaster game, it's going through graphic design work right now from Maddox, which is where it takes a first pass and then we continue developing it um, for that user experience uh, a piece. So it kind of goes bounces back and forth as it as it approaches that final development, those final development stages. Um, but it's going to feel um, totally, I think it's totally different than any other game that we've put out on the table before. Um, uh, and I like that you, you count, you, you note those subtleties of, of similarity for Henry, but I also think that this is him, uh, it breaks out of a little bit of a shell um, and explores something with like a high high randomness, right? Because there's dice in it, right, right. there's a dice chucker, it's a cooperative dice chucker, you're trying to rob a train, um, and there's something uh, uh, um, whimsical about that. But also, these characters have this kind of meaningfulness to them that's, that's really engaging, I'm excited to share.
0: Yeah, well, the the diversity that feels purposeful uh, with the characters, like their their character designs, uh, they they don't feel randomly selected in order to account for diversity. They they feel like characters who belong in the story that the game presents. Mm-hmm. And you were mentioning that it's a little whimsical, it's a dice chucker, but there's a ton of randomness mitigation in that. There's a a ton of real thoughtful design into how the asymmetric powers interact uh, just the it is a very thoughtful dice chucker even though it seems like a very straightforward and approachable game which I guess that thoughtfulness is maybe the the biggest similarity uh, and the cohesion of it and just having a really cool aesthetic as you build up the player powers and have the, the tableau reveal the the ultimate tapestry of uh, that character's uh, housing or, I guess, location, locale. Um, that illustration aspect was, was so cool when he was showing that to me. He was so proud of it. Like It was great sitting down with him at, at PAX Unplugged. And you have another game that's coming out.
1: Uh, yeah, so then there's also Firebreak, which is uh, which is in the work. It's in development, and uh, uh, we're we're really excited to keep developing it. We had a prototype at um, PAX Unplugged um, that we started showing off to people uh, to give people a feeling of of uh, you know this cooperative game about fighting wildfires that Charlie Hoops. Um, has created and and uh we've brought on um and, and that's just actively in development um we're working uh, we're actually really excited to be talking with some wildland firefighters uh coming up uh soon just to hone in on what characters look like and these are these are things that um we're just going to actively continue to to tell people about like projects that we have in progress um that we're working on on really like honing in on and nailing down um, and and releasing them when when we think they're you know they're really locked in and 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 feel good.
0: Well, what's fascinating and also tragic is that this is timely with everything that's going on with the wildfires in Australia right now. And has any of that circulating around the news and people's public reaction to that and the the actual firefighting that's going on? Has any of that affected the development of the game? Like as this has become less of an abstract theme for a game and more a reality that you're mm-hmm. capturing even if it's not the specific setting.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's definitely uh, it's something that, that we've watched um, and, and I've kind of felt a personal engagement with um, in the sense that I think it's a game and you want people to have fun and you want people to sit down and be able to kind of think critically and to a certain extent remove themselves from. From those experiences, but on the other hand, you want them to feel invested um, and it just uh, reinforces that um, the decisions that we want people to make. We want them to be invested in the decision making um, because it is for better or for worse. That's the theme of the game, and the, and and it's a really interesting, engaging game. It's a hard game, um, so you know. There's, I, I think, people are going to really enjoy playing it and really want to play it. Um, and it's making sure that there's there's that value piece where we're we're towing that line, which is pretty challenging between you know this is a game and this is talking about something that's very real and very relevant to a lot of people.
0: Well. I know that you had your own reasons and assumptions about Keymaster as you were seeking out your employment with them after your your game shop ownership days, and I know that 2019 in particular was a huge year with the release of Parks, and now you have all these projects that are in development, and Here in 2020, there are so many game companies that are doing really incredible work that are coming up with some absolute bananas games that are setting themselves apart. But what do you want people to think of when they think of Keymaster? Like, what are you doing in order to make sure that you're set apart? Because there's a lot of competition out there. There's a lot of beautiful games out there. There's a lot of thoughtful games out there. What is it that you feel like makes Keymaster so special?
1: So Keymaster was above and beyond, and beyond anything else, uh, founded from Kyle uh, by Kyle with this idea that games bring people to the table. They bring family and friends to the table, and the number one thing a game can serve to do is bring people together um, for experiences. Keymaster is setting itself apart by creating and it's like incentivizing um, with the packaging, with the quality of the components, with the accessibility of the games. Um, with the time, honestly, that a game stays on the table, a game doesn't need to stay on the table for, an. we love playing long games. Don't get, we we love playing long games. I, I love heavy games. I'll take a heavy game any day. Um, but games that, that stay on the table for, you know, like an hour ish kind of, kind of capping out, right? Like, um, um, but, but give people that experience and that time and the freedom to talk with each other and amongst each other and really just bringing people together, giving people an excuse. And if making a beautiful game that's quick to play um, it helps someone uh, give someone an excuse to sit down and spend 15 or 20 or half an hour or an hour with somebody else face to face, then we have succeeded. It doesn't matter if they uh, you know, really understood the game or scored the highest amount of points, uh, it's, just, it's that they took that time. With each other
0: and had an incredibly visceral reaction to the game in such a positive way like i i i'm going to end this by saying that for me having grown up in alaska I, and i've lived in lots of different places in the world i i was born in the philippines i've lived in new delhi india and alaska for me has has something special that that is is a little bit ephemeral uh, and and hard to put my finger on. And I'm sure people have that relationship with the place that they grew up in. But to see something like Kenai Fjords rendered in a game with enough honesty that it captures kind of the spirit of a certain Vista, but at the same time it's uh, artistically interpreted in, in specific ways like... I don't know that I've ever had an emotional reaction to a game in the way that I have with Parks. And whether that's a one-off thing that is just true of that game, and there are different reactions that will come with other games, or whether that's true to the spirit of Keymaster that you guys really honed into with that specific game... You guys accomplished something truly special that I I think will be a significant footnote in tabletop gaming history for many, many years to come. So thank you so much for coming on to the show and thank you for making parks and for giving us so much to look forward to in 2020.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that memory and for, uh, uh, for having me. I really enjoyed our conversation.
0: If you enjoyed this video, we have all kinds of other reviews, interviews, and recommendations via writing, podcasts, and video here on our channel and website CardboardHerald.com. Our content is audience supported, so if you want to show your support, please visit our Patreon. Thank you so much for watching. This has been the Cardboard Herald.